stand by. We'll be streaming live soon. Good morning. We are in the, in Second Kings chapter three, and I want to read uh, uh, to begin today, verse fourteen. It's chapter three, verse fourteen. Second Kings chapter three, verse fourteen. It says, Elijah said, "As surely as the Lord Almighty lives, whom I serve." If I did not have respect for the presence of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, I would not look at you or even notice you. But now, bring me a harpist. Lord, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for all of the things that you're doing in our midst, Lord. We thank you, God, for the Thursday night Bible study in Atlanta. We thank you, Lord, for the work at Mount Bethel and the things that we're involved in and uh, day and out, day and in and day out, we just ask you, Lord, to help us this morning as we partake of this word, that the people that will hear will not only be satisfied, but empowered and be blessed abundantly. In Jesus' name, amen. The three kings, the king of Edom, the king of Israel, the king of Judah, come together in agreement to take the Moabites which inundated the south of the Dead Seas. There are cities and fortresses and a large population of people. They provided Israel with a hundred thousand lambs and a hundred thousand rams a year. And so, in order to have a, a, a group of people, farmers and, 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 and servants, to sort of a conduct this type of uh, business, you have an idea that this, this is the area south of the Dead Sea was inundated by a large population of hundreds of thousands. But they rebelled against Israel. Joram, the king of Israel, son of Ahab, along with Jehoshaphat, which is the, 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 the king of the north, and, 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 of course, the, uh, the Edomites, a vassal state north of, uh, of, of, of the area of the Lake of Galilee, they came together. And they decided that they would actually make war against the Moabites. But as they began to move the army, the three armies south, in order to attack from the south of the Lake of the Dead Sea, 
they noticed they didn't have any water. The army and the animals and the soldiers and the chariots and the and the and the and the uh, horsemen they noticed that they didn't have any water. They were running out of water, and they needed water. And so Jehoshaphat asks, "Is there someone in this area who can speak for the Lord? Is there somebody?" And of course, uh, the question came from Joram, the king of Israel. And Jehoshaphat simply said, yes, I know one. Now, verse 14 here is, is as, as Elisha approaches these three kings, because Elisha's state, the place where he lived, was south of the Dead Seas. That, Elijah was among the Moabites. And I, I think it's very interesting, because when you think of a prophet that the Lord uses for His glory, He is not hiding somewhere over there close to the Lake of Galilee, and, and, and find Himself a nice place and, uh, and, and a widow to take care of Him. He is in the midst of the worst kind of people, the Moabites. So notice, notice, notice His position, because they went down. It says they went down to meet Him, meaning they went down below the Dead Seas. And so when Elisha saw the three kings, he simply said, I'm here in respect for Jehoshaphat because you are the two guys, which is <laughs> is, the, is the Edomites and, of course, uh, 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 Joram, the king of Israel. I don't like you. I don't think I respect you. You don't mean nothing to me. Here, here's, here's the word. It says, I would not look at you or even notice you. I don't, I just, I just don't want, I, I don't mingle with people like you. Well, that sounds to me very interesting. Because in order to run a ministry, you must have friends and influence people. But it seems to me like, <laughs> it seems to me like a, the prophetic ministry of Elisha didn't particularly care about getting along with anybody. And it sort of a, speaks to me a little bit because we're in an age and a time in our, in our ministry and life to where the idea here is to, is to mingle. In other words, I've been studying a Mr. Willard, Fred Willard's st- statement about getting along that says one of the hardest things about life is to know you are right and not hurt people with it. Well, Elisha cared less about that. He simply, simply said, I don't particularly care about that type of treatment. In other words, I don't like you. I don't get along with you. And, and if it wasn't for Jehoshaphat, I would totally be out of this completely. Now, it shows integrity. It shows character. And it shows that there's no compromise with darkness and evil in the kingdom of God. There's no compromise. And of course, will Mr. Willard's statement is actually uh, a, a statement that tries to work with the contemporary church today. But it doesn't quite fit Second Kings chapter 3, verse 14. And so let's take a look at this. The next thing he did was to ask for somebody to provide him with a harpist. Now, 
as you are and I know that the spirit of man in anybody that loves the Lord, that honors the Lord, responds to worship and praise. I don't think that the harpist uh, that came in sung ACDC rock and roll music. What they did, what they did was they brought a harpist who worshipped the Lord. And as the music begins to play, something happens. Look at uh, look at verse uh, fifteen. But now bring me a harpist. While the harpist was playing, while the harpist was playing, the hand of the Lord came upon Elijah. It wasn't the harpist that brought the music. It was the hand of the Lord who came down. It wasn't because of the music that the presence of the Lord came. It was an opening in the heart of those that were there to receive what the Lord had to do. There's a difference. You see, when you study Ezekiel, and of course, I, I, uh, when you study Ezekiel, and the glory of the Lord begins to be uh, seen from coming from the throne of God, it wasn't the the glory, wasn't the the music, and and all the colors and the rainbows and all the explosions in the supernatural realm and the heavenlies that caused the presence of the Lord to come. It was them to receive the coals that came from the altar. And so the praise and the music does not bring the glory. What brings the glory of the Lord is repentance. We think that in our churches, when there is praise and worship, it brings the Holy Spirit. What brings the, what brings the presence of God is repentance and in a humble attitude before the Lord, not the music. Musicians, musicians are not uh, 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 called to bring the presence of the Lord. The presence of the Lord comes in when people have the altar and kneel down and ask God to forgive. That is why it's so important that the altar of God be a place to where people can come in repentance. And so verse, uh, verse 14, uh, 16, and he said, and so now that uh, the, the, the presence of the Lord came upon those who were there, and of course he has to do... So what am I saying? I'm saying the harpist was trying to sort of bring some repentance in the heart of, uh, of Joram, the king of, uh, of Israel, has to bring some repentance in the, in the, in the heart of the, of the king of, of, of Edom, because they were just people who didn't quite understand the presence of God. And so here, here you have... Here you have a harpist that is trying to bring the presence of God in the hearts of those that care less about the Lord. So, this verse 16 says, And he said, The hand of the Lord came upon Elisha, and he said, The hand of the Lord came upon Elisha, and he said, The hand of the Lord came upon Elisha, and he said, So, so notice that what caused Elisha to say anything was the hand of, hand of the Lord. Now, is there, is there something here to observe? Yes. Yes, because you see, just because you are a missionary, just because you are a good Christian, just because you are a uh, 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 Bible teacher, 
just because you are who you are in the, in the presence of the Lord, it means that you can say anything that's worth anything to anybody. What made the difference here is the hand of the Lord. Because the hand of the Lord comes before He opens His mouth. This is what the Lord says. Well, I love that. This is what the Lord says. This is not what they're saying or somebody's saying or what you understand, what you comprehend, and what you want to do. It's your church and you want to say something to the congregation. If the hand of the Lord is not there, there's nothing to, say, to be said. Not to be said. That is why some sermons are so empty and so void because it has nothing to do with the presence of God. So before, before you preach, make sure that... Uh, you ask somebody to bring a harpist. Spend a little time in the presence of the Lord. Close your eyes. Let the, let the guitar play a couple of tunes down there. A little something. Condition the environment to receive the presence of the Lord. Condition the environment to receive the presence of the Lord. I tell you. Ah, what a wonderful thing. This is what the Lord says. Make this valley full of ditches. One of the things that you hear as you head south to arrive at Sodom, where the other city is Gomorrah, which is south of the Lake of Galilee, it's south of, uh, of the Dead Sea, is the knowledge of the people who work in those sites. You know, we have Korem and that, and that road going south. Uh, you have other uh, uh, sites that we visited. Ein Gedi is also going south where, where Saul uh, hid his 600 soldiers. Uh, uh, David hid his 600 soldiers from Saul. From Saul. You, you, and then you have uh, the place where the book of Isaiah was found. Uh, in the in the in the caves of Koram, below that, way going south, you come to Sodom. Below that, you're gonna come into the the land of the Moabites. It's all down there in the south. And so, what the Lord said to the three kings was, make ditches, make ditches. Now, interesting enough over here is that. Is what he said about, uh, and I talked to you about yesterday. Uh, this is, this, there's some directives. When the Lord began to speak, he gave, he gave clear directives, which is really hard for us to comprehend here because we, 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 we don't battle, uh, upon what the Lord says. We, we, we have our own strategy. We live in a time in America where, where there's no spiritual strategy. It's simply just uh, try to get along. But let's take a look. For this is what the Lord says, You will see neither wind nor rain. Now, how can water come down in those areas south of the desert there without wind and without rain? Wind is usually what takes to receive and to bring the rain from from the heavens. But but the Lord said no rain. No rain and no wind. It's kind of a it's kind of a parallel. How in the world 
the ditches are going to be filled. Why am I going to do ditches when there's no rain, no, no wind? What's going on? Now, I love the idea that the Lord works out of nothing. The Lord works out of nothing. And uh, now we've been in ministry now for close to 60 years. And one of the things that I have noticed about the Lord uh, yesterday in talking to Cindy, Cindy Walker, I said, Cindy, how can we bring a young man to come to work for us? We don't have the money to pay him. And out of the mouth of Cindy Walker, she simply said, well, what's new? We've been doing ministry. <laughs> We've been doing ministry without money for 50 years. I've been here for 12 years. And, 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 and we, we have made decisions. We have bought equipment, the thousands of dollars, without any money. And the Lord provided the money. And, and so I began to sort of uh, write down the offerings that came out of the P.O. box here on 1711 Meriwether Drive. And the funny thing is, the week before that, the Lord said to me to take $10,000, $10,000, cash it and give it to uh, Martha Brinecki and get her a ticket to fly to Peru and handle that money to the preacher and to the treasure. The funny thing is, we did that. Not only we did that, but we we uh, 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 used the the last resources we had in order to do that, and so and so we're sort of thin on our mission account. And I took out of there ten thousand dollars. From the moment that that money was cashed, a week later, I began to notice and began to scribe that we received. $10,000 in our mailing without, uh, that, that doesn't happen before, it didn't happen before, it was simply something totally new, 10000 came back in a week. So now we're heading to Cuba, where we need $10,000 because we're going to visit 13 churches, and I need $500 to each church which makes $6,500, and then the rest go on offering to the bishop in his ministry there, in the salaries of the 700 pastors who get $50 a month. We visit 13 churches. We give each church $500. That makes $6,500. Add it up. Now the rest of that, which is uh, $3,500, we don't have yet. We've been looking, we've been talking, we've been calling. I guarantee you, that this week, in the next week, the 11th, 12th, the 13th, all the money needed will be, will be here. So what is it that, uh, that, that the prophet is saying? God begins to do something out of nothing. He begins out of nothing. And you see, it's not me that is doing that. It's not the anointing in my life that is doing that. It's the Lord doing that for you. You've got to take me out of this equation here. It's not me. They're not giving to me. They're giving to the Lord. And, and if you are in ministry somewhere in, in, the, in the view of this telecast this morning, the Lord will provide for you directly. 
But you need to have a prophetic voice to dictate that. Look, look at, uh, you will see neither wind nor rain. Yet this valley will be filled with water. Now what happened here? Elijah simply said, this is an easy thing in the eyes of the Lord. That's Elijah, Elijah saying. This is an easy thing in the eyes of the Lord. And he will also hand Moab over to you. In other words, rain is no problem. But he's going to give you this whole empire south of the lake, the Dead Sea. Now, along with that, there came directives. Now, what are directives? I'm going to do this, but I want you to do this. I'm going to establish uh, your problem with water for the animals that you have, but also I want you to do the following, which a lot of people make a, take attention to that. Here's what he says. You will overthrow every fortified city and every major town. You will overthrow. You're going to invade every city. The only city that they spared was the capital of the, of the, of the Moabites. And I don't have the, the name of the city. Kir Haresh. H-A-R-E Hareseth. S-E-T-H, Hareseth. Kir Hareseth. The capital of the, of the Moabites. You spare that. Easy on that. But the rest of it, overthrow. It simply says, you will cut down every good tree. And of course you probably say, Rick, why do you cut down the tree? It's because trees are, are built up in order to uh, 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 build furniture. Build wheels, build build places of war, build houses, build beds. You will cut down every good tree, stop up all the springs. There were wells everywhere. Throw rocks on the wells and close it up and stop every single spring. So, <clears throat> why is the Lord doing that? Because the Moabites were people that worship other gods. And they had for many, many years slaughtered the people of God. And so the hand of the Lord is heavy on the Moabites on this trip and ruin every good field with stones. Means there's no crop that ever will grow for years to come. The next morning, about the time of the sacrifice, offering of the sacrifice, Verse 20 is an interesting verse. A time for the offering. If you go to Exodus chapter 29, verse 38. Exodus chapter 29. Let's take a look at this. Exodus chapter 29, verse 38. I'm getting there real quick. Here it is. Consecrate those parts of the ordination realm that belongs to Aaron and his sons, the breast that shall that was waved, and the tie that was presented. This is always to be the regular share from the Israelites for the Aaron and his sons. It is a contribution of the Israelites are to make to the Lord for their belonging for their fellowship offering, and so the the sacrifice 
in the morning, the next morning, the offering the sacrifice was to provide for the priests. And so, after that was done, imagine now, you probably say, Rick, what do you mean? What is the offering, the sacrifice, the early morning? It's to supply the priests within the area of, of uh, the, the, the Jehoshaphat priests, the priests of the Lord. Now, what are you doing before you attack the Moabites? You're going to offer, oh yes, yeah, that's the, that, 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 that is exactly what was happening here, was the offering was to supply the priests of the Lord. They're fighting the priests of the Moabites who, who worship evil. And, and if, you, if you look at, uh, at uh, the, the king of the Moabites, as he's about to lose the whole thing and be defeated completely, he takes his own oldest son and sacrifices that upon the walls of the capital to appease their gods. Imagine. Imagine. So at early morning, before the battle begins, the priests of the Lord receive the meal for the day and for the week. Isn't that something? Isn't that something? That the system of the sacrificial system established that the priests of the Lord God Almighty are taking care with food for that day. I love that. I love that. Means, means the Lord always provided for me before a mission trip, after a mission trip, provided for me for, to serve the Lord. I've never been left out. In 62 years of serving the Lord, I have never been left out of anything. God has provided abundantly my table. I, I don't know how to cook. And I can tell you, these are dangerous days in my life because I have to be very careful what I cook. I can hurt myself. <laughs> but the provision of the Lord... So, so, next morning about the time for the offering, the sacrifice, that it was water flowing from the direction of Edom, and the land was filled with water. So what do you mean by that? As they began to do the sacrifice for the early morning to provide for the priests of the Lord, they began to notice their hands, their feet are getting wet. There's water everywhere. My gosh, there's water everywhere. It's coming down. Look at that. The ditches begin to be filled. And the Lord provided the water they needed to sustain the animals. What a wonderful thing. What a wonderful thing. The next morning, wonderful thing. Now, all the Moabites had heard that the king had come to fight against them, so every man, young and old, who could bear an arm was called upon station on the borders. So the borders of the Moabites in Israel uh, uh, were established, and the Moabites came for battle. Look at this. When they got up early morning, in the morning, the sun was shining on the water. Oh, what a sight. Now, tell me this. Where, where does the sun is come up from? Does it come up from the east or the west in the morning? The east. Now, where is the east in relation to the lake of, the lake of dead, dead seas? The, the, the dead, yes. Moab and the Moabites, that's the east. Okay, the west is, 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 is to the other side. And so, when they got up, the sun was shining over the waters. 
And when they got up early in the morning, the sun was shining in the waters. The Moabites across the way, the water looked red like blood. Why is that the case? She better been there, okay? She ever been to this area, because it is it is a, a, an area that today is occupied by Jordan, the country of Jordan. But the mountains in the desert are are reddish dirt. If you, it's kind of it's kind of interesting. If you've been there, especially looking over the place where uh, uh, the Ark of the Covenant, the Ark of the Covenant was perhaps buried down there, and of course uh, Moses uh, was there uh, uh, and established established a place of worship there. Uh, the dirt is red. It's not black. It's not green. It's not blue. It's red. So when it, the ditch is filled with water, it's looked like blood. And when the Moabites got up in the morning, they thought there was blood everywhere. That's blood, they said. Those kings must have fought and slaughtered each other. Now, the, now, now to the plunder, Moabite. They come to plunder Moab. Notice the mentality of the lost. The mentality of the lost is always full of fear. The mentality of the lost is all trying to figure out why I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm so miserable. If you are miserable today, if you, if, you, if you are a Moabite in the spirit realm today, and you don't know what to do next with your life, I want you to know that the thing to do is to repent and ask the Lord Jesus to forgive you because He will change your aspect of, on how to see things. It wasn't red. It wasn't blood. It was the sun. It was the color of the dirt. When the Moabites came to the camp of Israel, the Israelites rose up and fought them until they fled. The anointing of God will slaughter the Moabites. The anointing of God will take you from this life of fear, anger, torment, agitation, stress, and accusation, and take this hate that you have in your heart. The Lord bless you today, in Jesus' name. Senhor, eu vejo o mundo triste, atribulado pela ação de Satanás. Clamando no escuro, correndo e olhando para trás. 